Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If you've got your Bible, let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you come to be challenged this morning? Have you come to be changed this morning? Praise God. We're going to talk about some things that, first of all, I guess I better give a quick disclaimer here. Let everybody know. We're going to talk about something that you've got to be old enough to receive. So if you think you're too young to hear about the facts of life, then... Um, then think about what you might want to do here because I never thought in 38 years of ministry I'll be talking to you this morning about the facts of life. But we're going to talk about the facts of life. Is that okay? So let's look at James chapter 4 uh, beginning at verse 13 and let's start talking about the facts of life. James chapter 4. Fifth and sixth grade class, you're dismissed. They, they, they left. So we're, we don't have any, any, anything to go up. We've lost it all. I got a Bible. So let's turn to James chapter 4, <laughs> beginning at verse 13, and we'll read, praise God, the old-fashioned way. Beginning at verse 13, go to now, you that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? Notice the question James asks. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Notice that James asks a question. A question that I'm sure invites many different answers depending on a person's perspective. To these people, what was the answer? We see the answer. They were going to move here. They were going to move there. They're going to get great gain. They're going to gain wealth and achieve success. And that was what they believed their lives to be all about. If you ask a person who's into education, the intellectual person, I'm sure they would say something such as this. Life is all about learning, gaining knowledge and wisdom, and so on. And so that's their pursuit in life, and that's basically what life is all about. To another one, their pursuit of happiness. They want to gain happiness. They want to find love. Maybe they want to get married, have children, and just live a comfortable life, and there's nothing wrong with that pursuit. But that's what they view life as being about. Then, of course, you got these other ones, and they feel that life is nothing but a party. And they're waiting for the weekend. Ever been around some of those? It's 
Thank God it's Friday. You know, and uh, the whole point is to tie one on over the weekend and get out of reality and get back to work on Monday. And here's Monday. Well, I don't know what they're gaining from that, but um, that's their view of what life is all about. Then, of course, you got another group of people, and that group of people has a different perspective. Actually, it's a non-perspective. They have no idea as far as the meaning of life and what it's all about. What is life really all about? Why am I alive? Why am I here? What am I doing on this planet? And they're looking for answers. Well, isn't it something that James gives an odd answer? His answer, he asked the question, what is your life? Then he gives the answer, and what's the answer? It's but a vapor that appears and vanishes. Notice those two words. Appears, visible, vanishes, invisible. He didn't say it ceased to exist. He just said it vanishes. So he's basically pointing out two realms in which we live. Two realms that we need to discuss about life. The first realm is the visible realm. The second realm is the invisible realm. The visible realm is but for a moment, he is saying. But the invisible realm is eternal. It's forever. Therefore, he says, for you to plan your life in the visible realm without knowing the will of God is presumptuous and prideful. And for you to think that you're in control of your life like tomorrow, I'm going to do this. He's saying you're boasting about something that you don't even know you're promised. You don't even know if you'll be alive tomorrow, let alone going here, going there, doing this and doing that. That's what he's saying to them. And so it's an indication, I believe, that uh, these individuals didn't really understand the facts of life. And so what I'd like to do today in our lesson is to consider the facts of life from a biblical perspective. Why? So that we can be motivated to live our lives with eternity in mind. So that we can understand the meaning of life and what life is really all about. So, we're going to share with you this morning the facts of life. Is that okay? Praise God. Fact number one. Life is brief. What is your life, he said? It's but a vapor. Visible, then invisible. It's very short. Methuselah, as you know, lived to be how many years? 969 years old. And you might think that that's a long period of time. But compared to the backdrop of eternity, that's a very short time. If you're 990 or 969 years old, it doesn't really matter. That's a short period of time. To live because he's been gone or invisible for how many years? 4,000 years. So we could say this. Methuselah was visible for 969 years. But he's been invisible for 4,000 years. Right? But you don't think about him still being alive because you don't see him. You know what the Bible says? Look at things that are not seen, not the things that are seen. We are so prone to focus on things that are seen and be moved by the things that are seen that sometimes we forget there's unseen things that are very real and very impacting with regard to our lives. Look in the book of uh, Luke. Do we have these now? Hallelujah. Thank God for technology. In the book of Luke, look at... This is so hypothetical, it's absolutely absurd. But it just goes to show you how religious people think. These Sadducees did not believe in the invisible realm. 
They only believed in the visible realm. So they concocted this particular situation to try to tempt Jesus, actually to try to find out whether or not Jesus believed in the invisible realm or not. And you see, because the Pharisees believed in the invisible, but the Sadducees didn't believe in the invisible. They didn't believe in resurrection life. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in anything like that. That's why they were sad you see. Sadducees. <laughs> okay, so here's what they say. How about this one? Then came to him of the certain Sadducees, which denied that there is any resurrection or afterlife or invisible life. And they asked him saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, if any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. And there were therefore seven brethren, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in like manner, the seven also, and they left no children and died. If you were brother number six, would you marry her? <laughs> How about number seven? Well, last of all, the woman died also. Thank God. <laughs> She's... <laughs> Now, how crazy is this story? Think about it. They're, they're, they're so into themselves, these Sadducees, they don't want to believe in the invisible, so they concoct this story like, like this woman's going to marry these seven brothers. Never mind. Therefore, in the resurrection, here's the question. In the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. Now they thought, we got them now. You think three would have been enough, but no, seven. Because that's God's perfect number, I guess. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die anymore. For they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now, that the dead are raised. In other words, now I'll answer your question. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. I think he answered their question. Now they know what he believes. Now they know what he knows. So in other words, whether it's Methuselah, whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, they are all very much alive. They may not be visible, but they are very much alive. Proof? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as, as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Who appeared? Looks like Elijah's alive. And Moses is alive. Now remember, Moses before this appearance was invisible for 2,000 years. So in other words, no matter how long you live on the earth, it's a short time compared to the backdrop of eternity. 
Because the invisible realm is very much a real realm, and it is an eternal realm. So no matter how long we live on this earth, and no matter how much we think things that we think are important, are important to us, our focus needs to be on things that really are forever. Because no matter what it is, any accolade, any achievement, whatever we obtain on this li- in this life, on this earth, is short-lived. Very short-lived. So whether it's the accolades of men, whether it's the Olympic gold, whether it's this trophy, that trophy, whatever it might be, whether it's fame, fortune, success, a great voice, uh, good looks, etc., etc. You heard me say this was probably to my detriment. I got a few stones thrown my way. I, I went to my class reunion. It was 45, 50s coming up. And I was looking for those 18-year-old girls that were, never mind. Never mind. They just didn't look the same when they were 16. I better move on. Look in the book of Genesis. Time has a way of doing things. I just remember sometimes these things flash up on your computer. You know, you ever get this a pop-up? These are the, the girls from Baywatch then, and here are they now. And you go, that's impossible. Can't be the same person. You getting my point? All right. The things that we value so much and think that are so important, as time goes on, they begin to diminish. Okay, then you start realizing what is really important. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. You know, picture yourself in that garden and everything is beautiful and there's multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of trees and everything that you could possibly want is at your fingertips. But yet, they're there and one tree is reserved for God himself and they're told, don't touch it lest you die. Okay? Why are they here? They have an allotted time upon the earth to determine what they're going to do with the most powerful tool or gift God ever gave man, your free will. What are you going to do with your free will? That's why they were there. That's why you're alive. That's why whether you're 9, 90, or 969 years old, that's why you're alive on the earth. To determine what you will do with what is called free moral agency, your will as to whether or not you will serve God and live for God. That's a decision that we all have to make in this life, every single one of us. Okay, look at the next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I have set before this, thee this day life and good, death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. That thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land, whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou possessest over, the, over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose. We're here to make a choice. We're here to make a decision. We're here to decide what we're going to do. Choose life or death, good or evil, blessing or cursing. Why that thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and and thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life. He is your life. Let's say that. God, you are my life. Jesus, you are my life. 
and I give my life to you. And the length of your days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So, in other words, we're alive on this earth to live for him. Whether we live, whether we die, we are the Lord's. And that's why we're alive. So, the first part of this is, life is short upon the earth. And the reason why we're here is to determine what we're going to do with our free moral agency, our free will, our decision-making process, to determine whether or not we will serve God with our lives and honor Him. And that's every aspect of our lives. Okay, number two. Fact of life, number two. Well, look at this verse before we go there. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Why don't I leave this out? We then as workers together with Him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So in other words, this is the time we have. In this brief time, in this vapor of time that we live upon this earth, in this visible time that we're here upon this earth, we have time to decide our salvation. Are we going to serve God or are we not going to serve God? And it doesn't matter who we, who we are, where we've come from. We all have to make this decision. We all have free choice. And so will we decide to walk with God and serve God? Now is the time. Because when you depart this realm of life and enter the invisible realm, it is too late. Which brings us to point number two or fact number two of life. Death is certain. Death is certain. Anybody here make a decision that you're not going to die? Raise your hand. Physically. Not going to die physically. Well, if we're raptured out of here, we won't die physically. We understand what would change. But you're not going to live in that body forever. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You won't live in that body forever. One day, see, this body's not resurrected yet. It's not glorified yet. It's not been trained right yet. It wants to do its own thing, go its own way, have its own mind, follow the unrenewed mind and all that. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. But our spirit man's been born again on the inside. We want to get a renewed mind to get the life of God through the soul into the body so that the body walks with God. It needs crucified to walk with God. Can you say amen to that? Okay. But we're not there yet. One day to be glorified. So in other words, we'll pass through this life through death. Every one of us should Jesus tarry his coming or we'll be changed and glorified. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27a. As it, is a, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment. First part A, all men die. We're all going to go through death should Jesus tarry his coming. So knowing that, it's important that we recognize that we don't live our life having a tendency to think that we're going to live on earth forever as if the things we achieve and the things we acquire and obtain on this life really is all that meaningful. Because there's nothing more meaningful than to know that you're storing for yourself up treasures on the other side in heaven. Because the things on this side, they fade away with the using. Remember when the disciples were so admiring the temple and its beauty and all the, the wonderful edifice and all the golden that's in there and all the... What did Jesus say? Not one stone will be left on another. Don't focus on that. There's a lot of beautiful things you can focus on, buildings, etc., etc. But that's nothing. This is now, this is visible, but there's something invisible that is far better than what you could ever imagine. So don't even think about that. All right, so here's an 85-year-old man. See, we have a tendency to live our lives in this visible world in which we live in, 
not thinking about dying and not thinking about the brevity of life. He goes into a banking institution. This is a true story. He's 85 years old. Calls for the bank manager. Sits down with him. Says, I want to take out a 30-year note. A 30-year loan. Do the math. He's 85. He wants to be loaned money that will pay back by the time he's 115. See how we think? Look in the book of Ecclesiastes. All men die. And we shouldn't be thinking that we're not going to die because we're going to pass through this life. A good name is better than precious ointment or a fine perfume. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of some men. All men and the living will lay it to his heart. In other words, every one of us is going to die is what he's saying here. Should Jesus tarry his coming. And it's better to do that than to stay alive in this body that we're living in. Because when you know Christ and you go to be with him in glory, praise God, you've got it made. So, because we know that we're going to die, it's important that we recognize that death is the great equalizer. What do you mean by that? Death is no respecter of persons. When death comes and knocks on someone's door and he says, I'm wealthy, death says, so what? <laughs> or you knock on the door and say, well, I'm poor, death says, so what? It doesn't matter how educated you are, if you graduated from Harvard or Yale or whoever ever you've gone to, or Penn State University or Grove City, it doesn't matter when death knocks on your door, it doesn't say, well, I want to know how smart you are. Death does not respect, has no respect for a person's, for a person's education, social status, race, ethnicity. It doesn't matter your gender, whether, you know, you're a female or a male. Death is no respect for persons. When death knocks on the door, that's it. So we understand that all men are going to die. And to illustrate that, Luke's Gospel 16, 19 through 31, Jesus taught this to show us that death is no respecter of persons. Death comes to all. It's certain. There was a certain rich man, notice the word certain, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fair sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. So these are true figures. Which was laid at the gate, at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed from the, the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked the sores. Came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and you're tormented. Do you think death had any concern whether or not he were, they were rich or poor? And beside all this, between us and you is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, what a horrible time to start a prayer life. Someone said he became a flaming evangelist. He 
was on fire. <laughs> that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. And for I have five brothers. <clears throat> He's still selfish. Just my brothers, uh, my house. That he may testify to them that they also come into this, uh, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. For them, uh, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the, now he's teaching Abraham. If someone went from the dead, they'll repent. He's sure of it. He said unto him, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one were raised from the dead. Well, was Jesus raised from the dead? Is he alive right now? He's not visible, but he's alive right now. He's in the invisible world. And he's alive right now. How many are listening? He was raised from the dead, not just to go to that man's house, but to go to every house on the planet. Can you say amen? Is he alive? Amen. All, all, all we have to do is listen. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the, the testimony of our Lord and praise God. We'll be certain of it. Okay, so death is certain as far as all men are concerned. Number three, judgment is sure. Hebrews 9, 27b. But after this, what? The judgment. Some people think they're not going to judge, be judged. They think once you die, that's all there is to it. You know, you die, whether it's like an animal, you don't exist anymore, or you're just going back to the dust of the earth and all that. But look in the book of 2 Corinthians, because my brother and my sister, every one of us will be judged at the Bema judgment seat of Christ. Every single one of us. There's no escaping it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, that's a frightening thought, isn't it? But it gets better if you think about putting everything that needs to be under the blood under the blood. It's also better when you realize if you judge not, you will not be judged. Okay, so what is this all about? The Bema judgment seat of Christ. The Bema is just a platform upon which the Lord is going to stand. You're going to stand before him just like this, face to face. And you have to give an account of your life, of the things that you've done in your body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And there's going to be the fire of God's presence there, the glory of God, the fire of God, the consuming fire that he is. And if you build your life on wood, hay, and stubble, in other words, if everything that you did was nothing but the product of wood, hay, and stubble, in other words, you did it for your own good, you did it for yourself, you did it for selfish reasons, you did it with the wrong motivation and that sort of thing. You say, but I did this and I did that. But yeah, you did it for others to see you do it. You did that so that you can be somebody special. God knows the hearts of every person, and the heart needs to be humble before him. But if you build your life on gold, silver, and precious stone, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, guess what? It'll stand the test of fire. And so when you say, I'm giving from a heart of compassion for these people because they lost everything that they have, or I'm giving because I want to see people see how much I gave, or I'm going to make a meal for somebody and I want everybody to know that I made it, or you make it in secret and just say, I'm just going to give it. You give in secret. You give from a heart. Why? Because you're moved with compassion to help people upon the earth. And as a result, you, for example, you come to church with the right heart, with the right motive. I want to know you better. I want to serve you. I want to walk with you. I want to be inspired, praise God. I want to go forth from this place on fire for you and share the gospel with other people. I'm coming to be enriched so I can be a blessing as well to other people. So when we have the right motive and we give the right way and do the things the way he wants us to do them, that's silver, that's, that's gold, that's silver, that's precious stones, and they will stand the test of fire. That's not talking about your salvation. 
It's just the works and the rewards. See, if our works are burned up, there's less rewards. But if it stands the test of fire, there's greater rewards. Isn't that good to know? But then secondly, there's the judgment of the non-believer. You do not want to be at this judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. Look at Revelation chapter 20, uh, beginning, I believe, at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night. Somebody say amen. amen. The tormentor is going to be tormented day and night. Forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, rich and poor, famous, not famous, stand before God. Oh, my brother and my sister, how many people have you witnessed to and you've heard them say, I don't need God. How many of you know the lady, Kathy Griffin? You remember, know her, the comedian that right now is, is really, he, she sealed her own doom because of all the things that she's been doing. But do you remember when she got the award? I printed this out just to look at it. I won't quote it verbatim, but you can't quote it verbatim. Maybe in a bar, but not in church, but I'm not done. This woman said, people that come up to get these awards they get their reward and they thank Jesus for the award. Well, I'm here to let all, I'm paraphrasing. I'm here to let all of you know that Jesus had nothing to do with this award. This award is about me and about what I have done. So Jesus, mm -hmm. this now is my God. She concluded with those words. This trophy is my God. You know, one day, if she doesn't get it right, she's going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written, written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up their dead which were in them, or in it, and the death and death and hell delivered up their dead, which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire forever. Anybody here want a part of that? I know I don't. So the righteous will be judged at the at the Bema judgment seat of Christ just for our works and to determine our war, rewards. Thank God for that. But the unrighteous, the unbeliever will be judged at the great white throne and there is not going to be a second chance. And if that's the case, then they're going to be in eternity where they don't want to be forever. Look in also Romans chapter 2. Judgment is going to be just. No one will be able to accuse God for being unjust in his judgment of men. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself, wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. 
who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor. Aren't you glad you're here continuing to seek the glory and honor of God? And that you're here to show God, I want to know more of you. I want to live for you. I want to live right for you and honor you and obey you and do your will for my life. Whether I'm an individual, whether I'm a husband, whether I'm a father, a worker, an employee or an employee. I want to live my life in such a way so as to serve you, honor you and let everybody know they see the light of life in me and they, can, they want what I have have because of the joy that's in my heart, because of the attitude that I display and demonstrate everywhere I go. But in, in immortality and eternal life. But unto them that are what? Contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Notice of the Jew first. Whoa, Paul, are you suggesting that maybe a Jew might not be saved? Why am I saying that? Because so many people think, well, they're the chosen people, that every Jewish person is going to make heaven. That's not what he said here. Notice every person, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, and also the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to us, to those that will serve God and walk with him. So it's important to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with death or with God. None whatsoever. I know this isn't one of your knee-slapping, hand-clapping, glory-to-God messages this morning, but we live in a generation that needs to hear this. I'm telling you. You know, it's, it's almost like we live in this time of grace teaching where it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't, I'm not reading that in my scriptures. As I read them, it does matter how you live and what you do. All right. Look at John chapter 12. Because judgment is based on the word of God. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me receives not my words. Hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. So the Word of God is going to judge. You want to know why I stick to the Word of God? I like to get excited once in a while. But there's nothing more excitable than the Word of God. Sometimes people just want to jump up and reach that chandelier and just kind of hang around and just, just you know, and, and shout hoopla, dance and all that. And that's great. That's great. But all I say is this. When your feet hit the ground. There better be a foundation of the word of God under you so that you can stand, as Brother Dave said, in the evil days, stand against all the strategies, the wiles, the darts, the wickedness, the missiles of the devil that will surely be coming your way. You know why? He wants to take you out. He doesn't want you to be a voice for God upon the earth. He doesn't want you to stand in the workplace and tell somebody, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He'll deliver you from that drug addiction. He'll deliver you from that alcohol addiction. He'll deliver you from that addiction to pornography and all that. I want you to know that God loves you and cares about you and wants to save you by his grace. He wants to put your feet on solid ground up out of the miry clay. You can walk with him and serve him and live for him and honor him and obey him. And if you think you can't, he'll empower you to do it if you'll just yield yourself to him by filling you with his Holy Ghost. You can do it, praise God. He doesn't want you to walk around talking like that. No, he wants you to have your head down and all that. And what a miserable day and what a miserable life that you're living. Well, you know what? You better, if you know Jesus, you better take another dip in the blood. 
Because you're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Hallelujah. I've got nothing to be happy about. Yes, you do. You've got eternal life on the inside of you. Rising up. Praise God. You've got a lot to be grateful for and thankful for. Hallelujah. Why? Because this life is but a fleeting moment. And if you took your last bread tonight, you would be on, on right before the throne of God, walking on streets of gold, celebrating with the saints that are already there with you, just right now in the grandstands of heaven, cheering you on. That's exciting, wouldn't you say? Hallelujah. Next, eternity is long. Did you know that? Eternity is long. Wow. Look at uh, John's Gospel, chapter 5. Can I do this? I, I, I think I just did this once and I'm not sure, but I just real quick, I'd have to tell you this. This 80-some-year-old lady at the funeral home that came up to me after I did this service, and they were all just bent out of shape because of the service that I did because they were, I think they were all unsaved people. They didn't like anything I had to say. But this 80-some-year-old lady with white hair, she came over to me and she said, Sonny, I know where I'm going. I thought, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Whew. At least someone here is saved. And she grabbed me on the shoulder and Jesus said, Yeah, Sonny, when I die, I'm going straight to hell and play strip poker with the devil. I know where I'm going. I almost passed out. I thought, Lady, you've got one foot in the grave, one foot on the planet, and you're excited to go play strip poker with the devil. Can you see how people's minds are so deceived by the devil to make them think, it's party time. We're going to go and have a high time in hell with all of our friends. Are you kidding me? That's a place where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. Well, let's, let's read this. John's Gospel, chapter 5. Verily, verily. Do you ever notice that double verily means this is of extreme importance? That's exactly what Jesus means. I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, for they that hear shall live. That's everyone that's dead. Now, he's not talking about their spirit and soul. Understand, talking about your body. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves, that's their bodies in the graves, all, notice all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. That means every person who lived in a body on the planet one day, aren't you glad I realize that this is coming the fall feast, and who knows, we might hear the trumpet sound, and we'll just be raptured out of here and go to be with him in glory, and those that are in the graves who are in Christ, the dead in Christ are going to rise, the graves are going to open, praise God, and they're going to come out when the high priest blows the shofar, and they go up to be with him in glory. We that are alive will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to meet him in the air and be with him. But then there's also coming the time when those that are not in Christ will also hear the voice. And when they hear that voice, their bodies will come out of the grave and be changed to be immortal. In other words, to live forever. But they will live in a place of eternal suffering forever where the worm that eats their flesh dies not. It will continue to eat their flesh and the flesh will come back and eat their flesh and the flesh will come back and eat their flesh. Imagine that. And then the fire's never quenched. It'll burn up their flesh. It'll come back. It'll burn up their flesh. It'll come back. 
How would you like that? Forever and ever and ever. It is eternal. It is never ending. Eternity is timeless. Look at Mark 9. People are saying, I want to hear that positive, sweet message. I do preach those messages, but not this morning. Because we need to hear the whole counsel of God. Can you say amen? amen? Are you ready for this one? These words fell from the lips of Jesus. And listen to what he says. If this doesn't motivate us, I don't know what will. If your hand offends you, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maim than having two hands and go into hell into the fire that shall never, never shall be quenched. In other words, you got something visible that's going to keep, make you go to there? Cut it off. It's better for you to have it cut off than it is to go into hell because that's forever. This is visible, but it's, it's, it's temporal. But that's eternal, it's forever. Notice, where their worm died not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to go into halt, halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell. Into the fire that shall, that never shall be quenched. Where their worm died not and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the hellfire. Where their worm died not and the fire is never quenched. Notice he keeps repeating this. For everyone shall be salt, listen, shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good. It's good. Especially if it's Morton. <laughs> but if the salt shall have lost his saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. In other words, get rid of anything and everything that could possibly send you on a journey that you don't want to be on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, he's not saying literally cut off your hand, cut off your eye. Do something about, in other words, closing your eye to the things that are offending you and making you go down the wrong path. Get your hand away from things that will take you down the wrong path. Don't walk in a way of, that's going to take you down the wrong path. Why? Because it's forever and ever and it will never cease to exist. Eternity is a long time. There are no clocks. You heard Brother Dave say here this morning. Put up 30 minutes on that clock and you could possibly do it for 30 minutes. Because you know the time is coming, it's going to end. Well, here's something that will never end. Never, 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 never end. And so once that man entered into that place called hell and he was suffering, and he remembered his five brothers, for him, it was too late. It was over. Ended. Forever and ever and ever. Number five in our final one. Our five fact of life. Preparation is necessary. It's absolutely essential and absolutely necessary. Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14. This is Jesus. Enter ye into the straight gate. For what is the gate and brought us away that leadeth to destruction. And many, many there be which go in thereat. Boy, that should cause something to rise up in our hearts. Sometimes I see some of these people, you know, like, that just have no respect or regard for God at all. I mean, they self-proclaimed atheists and all that, and you can hear them spew things out of their mouth that are so offensive to God. And you know what? You can view that and see that and just get upset with them or have compassion. 
And it's easy in the flesh to look at them and just get so upset with them. But they are so deceived by Satan. Their eyes need to be open. Because we don't want them to spend eternity in a lake of fire. You know why? Because God doesn't. And that's why Jesus came. And so these people like this person we're talking about, we need to pray for her and others that are like that. But now notice, um, look at John 14. And I don't know about you, but I've been to many, 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 many funerals. I've done many, 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 many funerals. And it's something that to hear people talk. They could be the worst person in the world and you'll hear everybody say they're in a better place. They can be evil, personified, and people will say they're in a better place. Can anybody attest to what I'm saying? Have you ever been at a funeral and said, heard someone say, well, I know they're in hell. <laughs> it's okay. I know they're suffering immensely. And I know it'll go on forever. I can just see the worms right now. And the fire. Have you ever heard that at a funeral? I haven't. I love the word if. Don't you? Because even when I'm in a precarious situation myself, preaching someone's funeral, and you don't know where they're at, if is the best word in the English vocabulary. If this person knew Jesus, if this person accepted him as Savior, then praise God, you've got something to rejoice about. And I leave it at that. Can you say amen? Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive it unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know whether thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Hallelujah. So, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, and there is a gate that's wide and there's a gate that's narrow. And as believers, we need to point people to the gate that's narrow, because it's easy to live on the gate that's wide and walk around that road, is it not? And so that's why I admonish all of us, including our young people, and, you know, I, I, honestly, I, I often will tell you, Andrew is so concerned about people's well-being. Dante is a shining light, and, and the same thing, and, and is, lives his life to testify for Jesus. And really, our young people should be encouraged to do that. Dominic, I know you live your life that way as well. And Aaron, you're very vocal for Jesus, right? He's strong in the Lord, he said, in the power of his might. You know, so we need, we need to realize we don't have much time on this planet you know, I looked at my birth certificate, and I know you looked at yours, and the time is coming. We need to be a vocal person, a voice in the earth to let people know that God loves them and cares about them and wants them to be saved. And Jesus is the only way. And I guarantee you, in glory, 
All these people on this planet that say there's many ways to get to God. No, there's many roads that may lead to God, but only, and many of them read the judgment, but only one is the way, the truth, and the life, and his name is Jesus. And when the book was up there in glory, and they opened up the seals, no one could open up the seals thereof, because John wept much. There was no one found worthy to take the book or loose the seals thereof. And the elder said to him, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he hath prevailed. Notice he didn't say Harry Krishna prevailed. He didn't say Buddha prevailed, or, or this one, that one, the other one prevailed. Young Song Mood, he prevailed to take the book. No, there is only one way to, to God the Father. His name is Jesus. He's the only way. That's narrow-minded because that's the narrow way. That's the narrow way. Jesus is the only way, the narrow way, praise God. Our victory is found in him. And guess what? The work is already done. All we have to do is believe and accept it. Look in the book of Philippians chapter 2 because preparation is necessary, but preparation is individual. You ready for it? Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your wife's salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, thank you, Aaron, for that update. I must have misread something there. Work out your husband's salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your mother's and your father's salvation. Are you sure, Aaron, that that's what it says? <laughs> it is what it is, he said. It is what it is. All right, I can see. Work out your own salvation with reverence and trembling before the living God. In other words, we don't want to displease him. We don't want to harm him, hurt him in any possible way. We want to live a life that will glorify and honor him. Can you say amen? And then look at Matthew chapter 16 because once again, thank God for the wonderful positive messages. We need to hear them. And this is a positive message whether you realize it or not. Look at Matthew 16, 24 to 27 because sometimes I think this is left out of the equation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself the right to live an independent lifestyle. Take up his cross, submit himself to the will of God the Father, and follow me. In other words, live your life emulating his very life so he, he can be glorified into through your life. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. That's the visible side of us. And whosoever loses his life shall, for my sake, shall find it. That'll be the eternal or the invisible part. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in his glory, the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we need to be prepared for eternity. Can you say amen? So in John's Gospel, chapter 3, in closing, I'm trying to close. I really am trying to close. John's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Look at what it says here. There came a man of the Pharisees who believed in the invisible life. Angels, spirit beings, resurrection. Named Nicodemus, a very religious man, a teacher, a ruler in Israel. A ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Whoa, wait a minute. Who's we? We. Uh, those among him in leadership positions, as he was a teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, and he was the one who was sent out to go let him know it. 
For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, he ignored all that. Verily, verily, there's a double verily. I say to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, once again the double verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said to thee, you must. Oh, but I go to this church. You must. But you know, I, I grew up over here and, and, and I've learned it this way. You must, you must, you must. I was in church for 24 years. I never heard I must be born again. But one day someone told me, you must be born again. I said, you're out of your mind. How can I go back into my mother? I said, what Nicodemus said. How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Are you some kind of, I said, you a Jesus freak or whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. Why don't you be what I am? What was I? Lost. <laughs> you must be born again. And find out, finally, this you know, this Italian head that sometimes gets a little bit of cup of dose. It's hard. It means it's a hard-headedness. It sunk in. And I realized, I must be born again. And guess what? When I was born again, I was born again. Glory to God. The life of God came in me. I changed from the inside out. And I've never been the same ever again. Ever, praise God. Hallelujah. You must be born again. So what's our conclusion? Life is brief. Death is certain. Judgment is sure. Eternity is long. Preparation is necessary. So these are the facts of life. The question is, what are we going to do with them? How are we going to respond to them? And I believe that God wants us to accept his plan of salvation and then be a voice to let other people know the same truth. Can you say amen? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you 
and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.